Hello, and welcome to a Joyful Pause podcast. My guest today is one of my favorite people, favorite teachers, favorite uh, co-students, um, favorite everything. Her name is Lauren Tulin. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Hi, Nicole. Hi, everyone. I'm going to read your bio, and then we can get into it. Great. Um, Lauren is a certified yoga therapist, master teacher, and Ayurvedic practitioner. Yoga has been a part of her life for more than 40 years, and she was initiated into a lineage of Himalayan masters in 2001. She loves bringing traditional and devotional yoga teachings to the world through her school, Yoga Vidya Academy, and her work as a yoga therapist and life coach. She helped design and directed a worldwide yoga certification program for several years, and her own school has been going strong for more than 15 years. Welcome, 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 Lauren. Well, it's an honor to be here. And when you asked me to uh, to guest speak on your podcast and gave me the topic, I was so thrilled, so thrilled. And uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to be talking to you and sharing brilliance and humor as we always do as we have been doing for the last decade or more so nice to be here awesome so what uh lauren and i want to talk about today are the yamas and niyamas and thinking about it in the context of the pandemic um, the pandemic has really given us an opportunity to take a second look at the systems and structures that we adhere to and really has given us the opportunity to either completely be finished with them and create something new or to look at ways to improve our global systems and structures so that they can work better for all of us. And when I think about this opportunity for creativity, my mind immediately goes to spiritual technologies. There's such a great way to create um, anew from the ashes using time-tested wisdom. So the yamas and niyamas are an outstanding model for integrity given to us by one of the premier texts of the study of yoga, which is Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. So Lauren, for those who are new, um, what is your kind of easy to understand way to think about the yamas and niyamas? Mm -hmm. Well, um, great question. I'd love to jump off what you just said, that um, in this unprecedented time where we are being rocked in unfathomable ways globally and personally, um, spiritual teachings can be really useful. But, I, but for those who, who hear the word spiritual and sort of roll their eyes or avert their gaze, or walk out of the room altogether. This is about psychology, as much as it is spiritual. Mm. So the yamas and the yamas are are truly um, a group of tenets, right? That help to guide us in how to act in the world. And Yes, they're traditionally they traditionally come from a, a spiritual science, but without watering them down in any way, 
we can look at them as, as a, a system or a program of self-help mm-hmm. and self-knowledge. So that's, that's it in the it's sort of the uh, greater sort of global understanding of what, what yama and niyama are. And they are not, what they are not, are theoretical constructs. They're actually deep dives into a lot of dis- different aspects of who we are as individuals and who we are as a species and how we can use our internal resources interfacing with the world to, um, to just have our understanding and our action be aligned. So this is a system, I'll say it again, where we can align our understanding and our action. Of course, we refine our understanding and then refine our actions as a result of that. So the results are autonomy, connection, a little more freedom, uh, and, you know, listen to the title of your own podcast, A Joyful Pause. So it's a way of imbuing ourselves with joy despite these, again, unprecedented, unbelievable challenges that we're being faced with um, individually and globally. So let me just say... Oh, I love that because Mm -hmm. when I think about um, when I think about a joy that is not connected to circumstance, that has to be built from the bottom up in terms of our ability to access it. Mm-hmm. And I see the Yoga Sutras as that foundation that once we understand these and can use them both to understand ourselves and the world around us better, and then to, like you said, align um, our actions in ways that are supportive of both. It's that way of living that allows us to access that joy that's always just underneath the surface. Right. Even even when even in times when we don't believe it and we can't see it. And if we can yep. do this, if we can create that alignment, we can act more skillfully as an individual and help to heal the collective. Mm-hmm. Right. So yes. these are the practices that get you to. Uh, yoga, which is, we can just say it's self-realization, like, whoa, this is who I am, this is who I can be, and this is what I can do, mm-hmm. you know, and the yamas and the yamas are a way of, of purif- purifying and um, emboldening, right, getting steady, all of those things, and in the, in the traditional context, I mean, we're, we're assuming that um, folks who are listening to this podcast know what the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali is and all of that. But just, you know, real nutshell version, this is one of the seminal teachings from which we draw a lot of our philosophical, psychological, spiritual teaching in our, in our yoga world. And in the traditional context, the yamas and the niyamas are the first two limbs of an eight-limbed path that gets us from here to there, and the there being that state of yoga where we where we can rest in our true nature, and there it's in the portion of the text. The port it's called the portion on practice. I'm going to try not to use a lot of Sanskrit. Um, so the portion on practice. How? Not just I'm going to read about it. How am I going to do it? And then and the 
modern context is these five yamas, or what we call restraints, and five niyamas are a means for us to recognize. Here's where it gets a little hard, get a little bit fiery. This is a means for us to recognize how how careless we are, how disconnected we are, how petty we are, particularly now, nowadays, and how we can look at ourselves and resolve to do things differently and to give us the steadiness and the energy to get out there and do it, not just to, not just to read about it or to be able to list it, but to be able to live it. So, like, try not to do harm. Try to speak the truth. And this has all, you know, happens in steps and stages. Uh, don't take what isn't yours. Don't take more than what you need. And do your best to conserve your energy, to be moderate in those indulgences, right? So, so that, in a nutshell, Nicole, is, is the, are the five yamas, what I call in my teacher trainings, this, this list I call ways to clean up your act. <laughs> Just clean up your act. And then the five niyamas, again, we'll, we'll, we can dive into any particular one later, but are, are um, how do we create inner and outer purity so that we can preserve our energy. We're not so we're not expending so much energy on uh, dealing with our what I what I call uh, a friend calls polishing your garbage. Like stop polishing your garbage. Mm -hmm. Get you know clean it up. Clean up your clean up your act and then be be more content. Appreciate the moment. You know? Have gratitude for those well-wrapped gifts and gratitude for those poorly wrapped gifts, you know? Yeah. Like silence your inner whiner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And then get a little more discipline because we're drowning in choice. And we're speaking very, in a very contemporary world. You have literally the world at your fingertips in a machine the size of a deck of cards or even smaller. We're drowning in it. Yeah. You know, get a little bit more disciplined so that you can sustain your fire in a way that you want it to be sustained. And then use that to study yourself without getting so sidetracked by the latest uh, New York Times bestseller on, you know, how to be happy. This is a list of how to be happy. We don't really need to go anywhere else. And then understand ultimately what you have control over and what you don't. So that's those are that's the essence of the niyamas and, and I like to you know me, I'm a pretty sassy gal. Um, I that that list I say these are the means for you to to get over yourself. So yamas, clean up your act, niyamas, get over yourself. That is the way for us to utilize these technologies to, to be those phoenixes. Is that or phoenix, phoenix, phoenixes? <laughs> so that we can rise from the ashes of the old ways, as you said. 
and really it's a it's a pretty pretty efficient and complete way to do it it's simple it ain't easy so definitely not a short answer nicole but i think a way for people to understand that the yamas and the niyamas are call every single one is a call to action yes yes that it's not, and so that's one reason i was really fired up to talk about this and especially with you is that um this is a spiritual podcast and one thing that i'm wanting people who choose to listen to this to understand is that your spiritual practice can be used to spur you to action that is in service of the collective so yes to all of the things that we do that bring us into ourselves but it's not just to hang out in there it's also we're in the world we were born into this world so how do we use these tools that we have that bring us inward that let us clean up our house that let us get over ourselves so that we can contribute to the whole in a way that's of service to us and to humanity and when i think mm -hmm. about that in the current context i really wanted to dig a little bit into these first two of nonviolence and truthfulness you know, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the truthfulness part in a world where, where you know, the really great um, report by the Rand Corporation about truth decay and how yeah. we're how the way that we engage with media actually makes us experience that we don't experience the same truth any longer. If you're watching this channel, you experience this as truth. If you're watching this mm -hmm. channel, you experience that as truth. And so, and then the direct correlation between being so attached to what we each see as true that there's a violence or an animosity that creeps mm -hmm. up into um, either our, the way that we're interacting with other people or even just our own inner self-talk. Um, yep. I see that so much as a life coach, how how animosity turned inward can really just drain someone of their vitality. vitality. And mm -hmm. when, you, when you're kind of in that self-critical mo mode all of the time inside, you're going to enact that outside. You're not going to be this person who's down on yourself and then you're just this like, you're in a great mood and you're kind to everyone. It really doesn't work like that. If the internal landscape creates the external reality and the ways that we engage, then this truthfulness and nonviolence has to begin as an inside job. And I just wondered, um, I wondered how you see that. Yeah, I, I am in total agreement with that, total agreement with that, that it has to be an inside job first because, and, and this is where the yamas and the niyamas sort of interweave, but this idea of, you know, what is the truth? And, the, and what our teacher, uh, Pandachi, says is that, you know, we lie to ourselves as a self-defense mechanism, and it's very, very subtle. But in that subtlety lies a great, great siphon of 
personal integrity and power. So we lose our capacity through these sort of uh, ref reflexive, reactionary, habitual behaviors that, that really do deplete us. So um, the yamas and the niyamas sort of in context and all put together as part of the part of the path of yoga is a path of wholeness and the path of not just healing right because we're always talking about oh we need to be healed no it's like you just need to work move, yes and towards wholeness completion connection and a lot of times uh, that negative self-talk feels like the truth and these steps and stages these again tenets or precepts are an absolutely foolproof way out of the uh, sort of habitual misperception that we live in where we're where the mirror that we're turning on ourselves is warped and if we go all the way to the end of the last niyama it's about kind of devotional surrender and actually recognizing what is the biggest truth the truth is that we literally embody a spark of the divine <laughs> and if we can subsume all our negative thoughts and habits into that then there you have it and that's where we gain the steadiness, the vitality, the self-confidence, and the ability to go out into the world and not habituate ourselves again to that lack of integrity and the lie, the misperception. We're lying to ourselves by saying we're small, we're stupid, we're um, whatever, whatever. And I'm a life coach too, and I ask my my clients all the time, like. Are you, and this comes from A Course in Miracles as well, are you willing to change your perception? And that's what the yamas and niyamas are helping us to do, particularly ahimsa and satya, or the, the um, nonviolence and truth-telling. I, I so agree, because, again, the truth is I am that I literally contain the spark of creative potential that creative the use the the universe and so can I be aware of those subtle acts of self-violence mm -hmm. so that the attack thoughts diminish attack thoughts to myself attack thoughts to others that withholding the denial um, yeah denial and distraction that they're all they're all potentially toxic for us. And certainly, if we're just thinking of yoga as an energy management system, mm -hmm. this is a surefire way to build and to be more masterful over your energy. Yes. And then you can take yes. that out. Yeah, I like to tell my students to go on an untruth diet. Cut back mm -hmm. on lying. <laughs> you know, cut mm -hmm. back on lying, you know. Mm -hmm. So even those subtle ones, and even I, I, I actually put the, uh, the concept of gossip into satya as well. That while it's entertaining, it's a it's a negative distraction, and it doesn't align with our the truth that we actually at our very hearts are 
compassionate. We're supposed to be, and we can be. Yeah, I love that. I think that's one of those um, one of those socially socially acceptable things that actually um, can create disconnect because there's an energetic signature to saying things about someone that you haven't said to them. Right. Um, and and that can really um, that can really have a huge impact. I want to come back to what you said about um, this energy management. So I'm thinking mm. of um, brahmacharya or this way of um, being in moderation. Mm-hmm. That feels to me like um, such a such a medicine for this time when yeah. like you said you've got a you've got a powerful computer in your hands that you can pretty much do anything with and i was talking to a client the other day who was saying when she watches television with her husband it's not stimulating enough she has to scroll on instagram at the same time And we were just talking about how, because you can, we sometimes forget that there's a choice that we're making there. Like you can do that. That is something that can be done. We can be so stimulated that we are having two, three, four inputs at the same time. And yet Mm -hmm. we sometimes forget that that is a choice. We could choose to put the phone in another room we could choose to um, not look at the notification when it comes up on the screen, right? right? Like there's all of these things that feel so um, automatic that are actually Mm -hmm. not automatic. They're tiny choices that we're not aware of. So Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts about that in a world where like the sensory input is just so available? Yeah, well, the brilliant gift of being human is that we have a multi, you know, a multifaceted brain, and can mm-hmm. operate on a lot of levels, and that creates for us an a uh, an organic, inborn ability to be adaptable, mm-hmm. which we can use to our benefit, or we could uh, use to our deficit. And this is a choice where we're not using our adaptability to our benefit, where we, she, she and so many of us are, are just accepting this as status quo, not questioning like, hey, what would it feel like to monotask? We've just been, we've been a, a, acculturated to not knowing what uh, downtime is and to, you know, uh, what's the word, prostate ourselves on the altar of busy, right? That's some, somehow our, our definition. And it doesn't give us that opportunity to adapt in opposition to some of these things that we think are sort of normal these days. 
and we feel like you know FOMO is a real thing, right? Oh, I'm going to miss out on this, that, or the other thing. And the fact is, you and I, I know you and I both, you know, we're in the world, but we also deliberately choose to sh to take periods of time where we're shutting down. And I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I'm missing a thing by doing that. So if we contextualize what you were just saying about your client as let's look at the blessing and beauty of the fact that you were born a human being and that you have choice and that you have agency and you can sort of align with something different as as and as personal empowerment we all love that word right personal empowerment like yeah put your phone in the other room sit this is what we call tapas right is one of the neonas mm -hmm. sit in that discomfort that fire of discipline for a minute and then see what see what happens so i'm complete agreement with you but pulling the lens back and saying wait a minute let's look this look let's look at this as this is a this is a a real choice point for us and how are we using all of the myriad gifts that we've been given because we're human beings yeah yeah, yeah. And it's like that piece um the the self-compassion as we're making these um as we're making these shifts, you know, I forgot that mm -hmm. was actually a, a class I was giving. Sometimes it all runs together. And yeah. that class was for an organization and everybody was talking about that same phenomenon happening even in meetings. And so I was inviting them to do these small experiments of well, what would happen if you designated one person to check, you know, to answer the emails because of the type of work that they do but everybody else was able to be fully present. What would that be like? You know, because mm -hmm. I think that for, for much of this work, and you're an Ayurvedic practitioner, I'm an Ayurvedic yep. health counselor, so we know that it's the direct experience that makes something stick. So if mm -hmm. we can create these little experiments for ourselves to just see what it might be like, we'll experience the benefit. And that's what actually keeps you advancing toward whatever the shift is that you wanna make because you've got a little taste of it as mm -hmm. opposed to just reading it on the page and thinking you should, that probably is gonna only create a little bit more of a heaviness as opposed to let me just try not gossiping today for the nonviolence or um, making sure that even though I could tell that little half truth, I'm going to just say what happened and deal with it full out, you know, mm -hmm. um, or not say anything at all yeah. or not. Yeah. That's the other one. I always forget that. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Saying is the one that I could use sometimes. Um, but yeah, all of these little experiments that we can do that I see as, um, ways that we little by little reclaim our experience of wholeness. So talk to me more. You kind of touched on it before, but how do you see the yamas and niyamas as helping us either, you know, because we're always whole. It's us who doesn't experience right. it sometimes. So it's not a finding wholeness. It's more of a either reclaiming it, remembering it, waking up to it. How do mm -hmm. you see... Um, 
how do you see this this science is supporting that? Well, I think it is the science of wholeness and it's it's you know it is laid out for us but it's always nice to have a teacher or uh, a teaching as a way of a way in to help us to um, uh, to see the to see the to framework and the questions of like okay now what right now what and that idea of wholeness Com completion, connection, um, remembering our inherent perfection, and getting out of our own way. So if we go back to satya, which is or truth, which is the one that you brought up that to focus on, um, that has to do with us. It's very much related to misperception. Mm -hmm misperception so um, that Ashtanga path helps us to become both more sensitive and more objective mm -hmm. so that we in that liminal space we have the opportunity to glimpse our wholeness, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we can be creative about it and we can celebrate that crea creativity. And for many folks, particularly women, and I don't, I don't want to make this a, you know, a gender thing, but per particularly women, we, we have been disempowered power to a large degree to have to celebrate ourselves you know we give a yeah. someone gives us a compliment and we go yeah but we don't just we don't just take it and we and this is from somebody else but if we have a good thought about ourselves we don't we don't take that in and the more we do that the more desensitized we are and the more subjective we are. So I think these simple things like your self-talk, your, uh, your refinement of your mood, your thought, behavior, is this really true? Is this really true? And if it is, can it be changed? If it's causing suffering or disempowerment or disconnection, can it be changed? And that's what I think the yamas and the niyamas offer us, is the steps and stages to a new possibility for us to reclaim, as you said, our wholeness. We got to give up some things, but what we're going to gain is so great and actually puts us more firmly on the path of where we should be in in utilizing all again the gifts of our humanity and the brilliance of uh, the possibility of connection to and to be able to save ourselves and save others you know mm -hmm. but that full presence that full presence is scary right mm -hmm. so 
and seeing ourselves fully. It's like Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. You know, he asked Krishna, well, I want to see all of you who you are. And Krishna says, I don't think you're ready for it, buddy. <laughs> that he showed him. And, and Arjuna was like, whoa, wait, stop. I, me, no, no, me no can handle, you know. So that's that's kind of the scary thing. So we got to say, we got to do that positive self-talk. Like, all right. And it's not just platitudes. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm perfect just the way you, just the way I am. Well, yeah, but that perfection is kind of buried behind all your neurosis. So <laughs> let's clean that up, right? And yeah. it's a scary, it's a scary, it's a scary process. How many of your clients do you know when you ask them to be still, they start crying within a minute? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's either it, they're either scared or they're or they're just recognizing this deep sadness. And those kinds of thoughts are what um, diminish our ability to know our wholeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I wandered too much in that answer, but um, oh, I appreciated that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that. And, the, you know, I think you're also just calling in. We didn't get there yet. Um, but even just, like, part of what we're doing when we're practicing meditation, where there's mm-hmm. so many things that we're doing, but that we're building that ability from just a completely secular standpoint. We're building that ability to choose how we use our attention that it's over time going to become less and less habitual or whatever the most potent part of our you know whatever the part of our senses are that we love the most that pulls us we're learning over time how to choose rather than to be pulled um and so talk a little bit about moving into um the niyamas talk a little bit about this this friction this heat that's required for change yeah Yeah. well interestingly enough it doesn't come and come uh get talked about until the middle of the list so the first the first niyama again these are these are uh often translated as observances and as in my own vernacular the ways to get over yourself the first one is is shaucha which is that you know practices that lead towards inner and outer purity and cleanliness. And the reason why is not just so that we can smell, you know, fresh, um, but so that we, um, (laughs) so that we can, uh, our inner environment is not so much of a distraction. There's an efficiency. Our outer environment, like cleaning up the clutter, allows us to access our strength. And when we have strength, then we know what we what we really need, and that leads us to greater sense of containment. So these sort of these the drag, you know, like we're trying to move forward, and we've got these these balls and chains behind us. Those become lighter, and then we we use our uh, recognized and improved strength to walk into that fire of discipline which is what we call tapa or tapas. So, and not just to do it for an hour on your mat in 108 sun salutations or something like that, but a sustaining of that, quote, 
fire or that heat, that friction, that rubbing together that creates the heat mm -hmm. that also polishes us. I like to think of it as not just a, uh, a fire, but a process. It's, it's polishing, creating space, giving up something to create space for something new and better mm -hmm. so that you can reach higher states of knowing uh, and doing. And these don't have to be exotic practices, right? Or or uh, performative, right? So so people are out there calling themselves yogis. God God bless them. God love them. You know that are that are all about just doing interesting, uh, making interesting shapes with their bodies. And that is a certain type of of fire, for sure. But it is it it isn't may not kind of iterate back to uh, the deeper discipline that we need in order to actually move toward wholeness. Mm -hmm. So it's not about performative stuff, right? Like yeah. you see, you and I have both been to India several times and the Kumbhmela and the the guy who has who's holding his arm up over his head for seven years, yeah, that's a form of that's she's certainly disciplined in that to the point where his fingernails are like, um, you know, feet long and yeah, yeah. I so in my head, <laughs> right, that guy. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's a form of of tapas, and maybe he's enlightened. I don't know, but the, doing things like. Going to bed earlier, getting up mm -hmm. earlier, resolving to not have that second piece of cheesecake, resolving to um, to not get in that argument or engage about something that's really trivial or petty, resolving not to go around the you know uh, nobody does anymore these days, but the proverbial water cooler and gossip. Those are all forms of tapas of discipline as we can experience it in the modern day because we're so we're so out of control because we have so many options it's like i'm going to limit my options in service to my highest and best that's that's tapas that's the idea of discipline and i think now more than ever considering the times that we're living in it has to be about self-discipline, not discipline imposed by someone else. Mm -hmm. Because we've got to take back our ability to choose skillfully. Yep. yep. Love that. Um, yeah. I want to get to some... So I was just thinking as I was listening to us, I, like, I feel like we have similar personalities. Um, we will do the work, like we will mm -hmm. self-effort in our sleep. I can't speak for you in this, but for me, the muscle to build is actually the softening, the receiving grace, the, the trustful surrender. That's the part where it's like discipline, got it, you know? Got but it, like, no problem. Mm -hmm. Soften and stop doing, ah! So talk a little <laughs> bit about um, some of these sweet ones like contentment and and trustful mm -hmm. surrender yeah so 
<laughs> I, I brushed through contentment a while back, but um, here's the thing is we, you and I both, we are, we are hard workers and we're also natural born leaders and we sort of, without even necessarily striving to, we, we end up, or it's easy for us to end up sort of toward the front of the pack, right? And um, so I'm 15 years older than you are. And I was just told last week by, I'm in this uh, really amazing uh, mastery coaching course. So my master coach said, I'm going to tell you something that you don't want to hear. And, I, and I'm just speaking to me personally, and I'll speak generally to the concept again. I'm going to tell you something that you don't want to hear. Uh, because I was telling her I needed a little kick in the butt to uh, to to do some um, behind the scenes marketing stuff, and so I was like, I was fully prepared for her to say, "Get me your, you know, these next metrics within the next ten days," you know, mm -hmm. and you know what she said to me? She said, "Take more naps." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought. I thought, yeah, I yes, absolutely, intuitively, I know that that's an answer. That's one of the answers that I needed to hear, mm -hmm. and that it's going to take me, uh, I'm going to have to discipline myself for that. But in that is going to be taking the foot off the gas so that I'm not, my metaphor that I use a lot is so that I'm not um, hydroplaning. I'm not going so fast that I don't, mm -hmm. I don't have, uh, I'm not feeling the road underneath me um, and that's not always the, the case but uh, it's our natural inclination to to sort of be in in a higher gear so cultivating contentment appreciation in the moment appreciation of the fact that that you have the privilege to well in my case personally to lie down in the middle of the day for 15 minutes that you have the that you have the privilege to uh, to be able to just walk outside and feel safe and look at the clouds. Uh, these the the opportunity for even if the even if the moment is challenging or you're not hearing what you want to hear or you're not experiencing what you want to experience to be creative about how that lands and to if you add in the appreciation then you then you're constantly dancing with that um, very very potent and undeniable aspect of the best of who we are, which is contentment. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're a doormat. Mm -hmm. So adding external things are not going to make us feel more peaceful. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So that, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I feel really like appreciate the, the appreciation part. That is yes, how exactly. I touch it. You know, it's like, you can, and as soon as I start feeling, I also notice that of like when I start feeling meh, meh, a little bit too much, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, there's a question in my mind of has entitlement crept in, whether that's entitlement. Like the other day, my, my cell service was being weird and I was 
I needed to, I needed to get on a call and I was actually like embarrassed that I was going to be late. But there was also this piece of me that was like, but I didn't, but like my cell phone has to work when I need it to. <laughs> yeah. And how and dare like, you world? How dare it not work? You know? And I was like, yep. Oh my gosh, I really, okay. I need to go back to those basics of not basics. It's foundational to me of like, what can I appreciate in this moment? And, mm -hmm. um, and how much that can soften the grip of craving for it to be another way. Yep. And that in and of itself, as we just were talking about, is that fire of discipline. Whoa, wait a minute. I'm going into this negative entitled narrative. Let's, let's, let's pull that lens back. What? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember actually uh, losing a very short story, losing a, or sort of walking away or, or stepping back from a, a, a fairly close friendship because uh, the woman had, uh, this was many, many years ago when our, both of our children were really young, but she'd married an attorney and she lived in a, a beautiful suburb of Boston. And, and I saw her beginning to change and become um, someone who I didn't feel as connected with because she was in this different world, but I wasn't trying to be judgy about it. And one day she called me up and she was swearing a blue streak because the, the, the you know, expletive deleted um, contractor um, came to install her air, her central air conditioning when her baby was taking a nap and how dare he. And I just thought, whoa, whoa, we've lost so much perspective there, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think that entitlement thing is something uh, for many of us to really look at. We, we're privileged to even have the wherewithal to study this stuff, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, that goes right hand in hand with um, studying ourselves, like studying ourselves mm -hmm. and questioning what we think is true. And then, you know, this this sort of nebulous final niyama that you asked me to to uh, to speak to in Sanskrit, it's Ishwara Pranidhana, um, but surrendering. Uh, we don't like to surrender. We feel like uh, it's an act of weak, weakness. It's absolutely not. We know that vulnerability, showing vulnerability is actually strength because it reveals to ourselves and to others that we are whole mm -hmm. and that I love this practical definition uh, or translation that I came across of this nebulous concept many, many years ago that it's Ishwara Pranidhana is giving up the illusion that we have control over everything. Mm. So give up the illusion you have control over everything. And in that, there might be a little, you know, a door opening up where you can say, I can dedicate and devote myself to connecting in a more real, purposeful, helpful, skillful way with that divine spark and understanding. Because I'm not under the illusion that I can control everything and that the, you know, the, the HVAC contractors of the world are, are out to inconvenience us. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And it's worth practicing, you know, as you said that. It is. That's a wonderful definition. And it made me think about, um, if I would just be super vulnerable, but it made me think about my journey with not being able to conceive. That was a huge, huge Mm -hmm. um, coming to face that there are things you can't control, you know, and and you could um, have driven yourself absolutely crazy and miserable and brought uh, brought your husband into that. You know, you could have made this your number one narrative that you carried forward to assure your own misery. Mm-hmm. And you didn't. You didn't. It's, yeah, because yeah, you had to practice. give it over a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And just being able to, that was a big one for me. And, and ever since that, it's like, well, what are the little ways that you touch that every day so that when the big one comes of something that felt so integral to you and it doesn't happen, you can, you can feel your feelings about it and move through it rather than getting stuck there there's such a utility to on a daily basis flexing that muscle of okay that's something Mm -hmm. i couldn't control okay okay so that you're building the remembrance even in your body of like that truth because that is a truth that we're all either we've all faced it many times in life but i just for me that when you saw that was like yeah that was one of those big ones where thank goodness for the practice to help support mm-hmm. being able to move through that. I'm sure our right. listeners have ways that they've, that that has come for them. And I guess what I'm saying is since it will come, you know, practicing it a little bit every day helps you navigate it when those, when those moments happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're not, you're not denying that there's, that there's sadness and frustration and all of these other intended, uh, attendant emotions around it but you through your through your practices you have us have a space where you can be steady and a little bit more objective and have an event horizon that gives you a lot more space to to stand firm and to and to and to look up right to 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 look up and um to ask a question or to, to, to work within that phrase that they use in, in improvisational theater, yes, and. Uh-huh, yeah. And I, yeah, and I, I think that Yama and Niyama really do help us to do that. We, we learn, and this is from my studies with Iyengar yoga, you know, we learn how to take action, to observe, to absorb ourselves in that moment, and then to adjust and this is the this is kind of a constant expanding upward spiral of self knowledge and being creative about it but working within this framework we 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 do like that rigor uh, we do like to ha- to have a chart you know we like to have a map mm-hmm. 
but it's each each of us has our own individual path that uh, we travel and if we can do this creatively with both a sense of wonder and rigor uh, that's where the skill comes right yeah and that's what that's what I've seen you do you've navigated a, a lot in the time that I've known you career changes and relationship changes etc cetera, etc cetera. and we don't doubt that there have been uh, times just like me you know I I, I had a long-term marriage that ended my kids are grown and gone so but we don't doubt that there's been struggle and there's been challenge and at times there's been doubt but most of the time there's hope there's positivity there's a sense of you know between me and my spiritual CEO, we've got this, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that, my spiritual CEO. <laughs> yeah, that's how I talk, you know, when I, someone does it. If, 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 that's the other thing, maybe we should mention real quick that in no way do we really want to conflate this with religion. This would be mm -hmm. a great augmentation if you are currently on a religious path because it gives you that self kind of self-awareness and um, positivity that's and trust that's needed to pursue a more deeper spiritual path so it's like it's like self-serving isn't it it's self-serving mm -hmm. self-help mm -hmm. yeah yeah well yeah and yeah that brings up something my dad said to me recently about um when we're oriented toward helping or serving don't forget that don't forget to include yourself <laughs> so that's kind of what i just heard of like yeah it is it is self-serving and self-serving self-help and because you're including yourself in that care that you so easily can turn outward and including yourself in that um then, then that ripple goes out into the world it's mm -hmm. just so deeply um it's so deeply of use and you're modeling to other people who tend to be in the um, service oriented or uh, giving types of roles that that you're filling you're filling your cup as you're doing that exactly so it's self-serving small s and mm -hmm. self-serving uppercase or capital s right if we vision we vision ourselves as a foot in both worlds, the mundane and the sacred. Uh, part of the sacredness has to do our, with our connection to each other. So sometimes I like the divine self, capital S, as not I, but we. Mm -hmm. And then it's integral, right? Like, so your individual action feeds the collection, collective action towards wholeness, not towards more divisiveness, righteousness, and separation. I don't want to sound too like lofty, but I found this to, to actually work yeah. in the world. I found it to actually work, to work. And it creates a sense of, uh, of purpose that feeds you and your own little mundane life, but, but, but 
again, provides you with the wherewithal, the strength, and the direction to, to serve, particularly now. Because, oh, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, that was just bringing me to my last question for you, which is mm -hmm. um, that I'd like to ask every guest, what is your vision for our collective liberation? Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, it's a complex one. Mm. Yeah. Um, some people are going to get liberated whether they want to or not, right? Uh, and it depends on <laughs> what that definition is. So um, my vision for collective liberation, you know what? You've got to keep your home fire burning. That's the most important thing. And again, this is not coming from a place of ego and I'm better than anybody else. But if I can't get out there and act in accordance with uh, the ideals that I set for myself, which, is, which are to be um, an honest, kind, um, confident, caring person who's as awake as they can possibly be, then there's no salvation or liberation really available. And I think, like you were saying, that without even meaning to, if you're applying these rigors and disciplines, etc., and you're really living them, you can't help but inspire them, inspire others. So, you know, I always love to say to my students, keep what inspires you in front of you. And then that whole idea of light shining is where it starts. You've got to build your own, your own light, keep your own home fire burning and then the individual becomes the collective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and of course we've got all sorts of mechanisms for, for uh, uh, transformative justice and social change and we're getting all kinds of messages out there and we could choose to be, uh, be diminished by them, but I don't think we have to be. Just do the best we can and that's going to be our salvation. Here, here. Well, thank you yeah. so much, Lauren, for coming on the podcast and for sharing. Um, just, I really appreciate the way that you see these yamas and niyamas as something that is so practical and available. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I also appreciate your constant um, connection between. That, there, that what we do for the individual serves the collective and that our bright light becomes a beacon for others. So I, I deeply appreciate that. Listeners, if you want to um, study with Lauren or receive coaching from Lauren, please um, check out her website. It's laurenjtulin.com. And I'll put it in the show notes as well so you can be in contact with her. Thank you, yeah. my friend. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I'm really hopeful that uh, folks got maybe two or three things that they can take away permanently from our talk today. Uh, and I would just say, you know what, if you're inspired, then 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 get out there and and 
do it. Like, act on it. Because there's no better time for us to do that. And uh, again, I'm really honored to be able to share my thoughts. And um, I wish everybody well. So take good care. And thank you, Nicole. You're welcome. Thank you.